I'm Frank Garza, and welcome to Here and Abroad, a podcast that follows the U.S. men's national team and their player pool across MLS and Europe. On today's show, we are going to talk about the USMNT roster for the upcoming Nations League games against Granada on March 24th and El Salvador on March 27th. The 24-player roster was just announced, and here to help me break it down is Brian Sharetta. Brian is a writer at American Soccer Now. His work also appears at newspapers around the country, and he's a frequent guest on Talk Sport and Sirius XM. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Frank, for having me on. So I want to start with getting your initial thoughts on the roster. When you first took a look at it, what were some of the things that jumped out at you? Uh, you know, I think, you know, I I heard that it was going to be more of a bigger picture when they announced the Mexico friendly yesterday. I think it'll, you were almost going to see these rosters in two parts, you know, non-overlapping rosters so that they can kind of get a bigger gauge on the player pool because they're going to be looking at a lot of players for this summer. And this summer will then kind of uh, dovetail into the following summer and later this year with some big friendlies. So, yeah, I think it's a it, there's it's a good roster. It's heavily foreign based. Not too many newcomers there. I think only Trusty Austin Trusty and Taylor Booth are the. I think they're the only two players looking for their first cap. I think uh, you know some of the more interesting guys for me, aside from Geo's return. I mean that's a that's a topic in and of itself. <laughs> were um, you surprised? Were you surprised um, at his inclusion at all? You know, I went back and forth with it. I didn't know if it was going to take like a if, – if like they wanted to save this, the, the way to bring them back into the fold was through the next sporting director and the head coach because it's so tight and, and, and the report was just released yesterday. But I guess if they want to just do this thing and get it over with, you know, there's something to be said about that too. You know, maybe you don't want to have Geo come back during a major tournament, you know, and then have to deal with – that in conjunction with the major tournament. So, you know, I, I could see it both ways. He was going to come back at some point, you know, I, I think. Uh, but, you know, in terms of the other players, you know, I, I think Brian Reynolds is a guy who I, I'm very curious to see. I think he's got a huge upside. A lot of good young American fullbacks these days. I'm, I'm really pleased with that. He's one of them. Wouldn't surprise me one day if he, if he overtakes Scally on that depth chart. And uh, and Daryl DK, you know, uh, um, uh, big, tall, powerful number nine, just struggle. Yeah, they they really over all the clubs overworked him. I think big time with his when he first turned professional out of UVA, and um, he never got the rest. I think that set him up tough for a, a 2022 where he just kept getting injured. But a good player, you know, dangerous. He's a he's a very unique player. You know, those are the two players I think that. You know, while they've been capped, like it's they're 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 the one among the ones I'm more interested to see in terms of being able to help the team short term, and uh, you know, and 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 there's a couple of these guys also that are going to be maybe breaking off from the team later this year for the Olympics, and you want to keep like that in mind as well because that's going to be a big tournament for them next summer. They have two big tournaments next summer: the Olympics and the Copa America. So you have all these things here that are just kind of moving parts that all kind of fit into the one system. You know, so this roster, you can't really analyze it without looking at the big picture of where they sit. You know, it's like um, like only one, only one of the four center backs from the World Cup is back. 
and that's Tim Ream, and you don't know how much longer he's going to last either. You know, at age 35, he's playing tremendous, but is he a guy that they see as the Copa America, or you know, what is the end game with him? So, yeah, it's it, it's a it's an interesting roster. Um, it's good to see some of the guys back, but by by no means is this going to be like uh, you know, there's still a lot of wide open competitions between the guys who are here and the guys who are not there. And the U20 roster that's coming out, too, that has some really good prospects on it as well. That'll be out on Friday. But, you know, again, the competition is going to be very low at this camp and, you know, in these Nations League games. So, you know, it's kind of like one of these things where the results are going to be secondary. It's more or less kind of just having the guys back together from an emotional standpoint and everything like that. Um, that's kind of what what's good for them. Yeah. So you mentioned some names there. I want to get your thoughts on who were some of the biggest surprises and, and snubs for you. Mm-hmm. Let, let's start with surprises. Who was the biggest surprise inclusion on the roster for you? I mean, yeah, you could go with you know with, with Geo, but uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think Austin Trusty's a bit of a surprise. You know, even if you're going with um, just a broad-based guys, you still have guys like Eric Palmer Brown. And um, Chris Richards and Cameron Carter Vickers, uh, you know, you know, and I know, look, I know Vickers, he's been back with Celtic, but he's also been dealing with injuries. You know, Hudson even said that, that there's been some injuries there that you know, we worked with with the players and the clubs to find out what's the best avenue to have them back in the summer. And that's fair game. That doesn't necessarily mean like a guy can't play right now if he was asked, but like take a guy like Josh Sargent, you know, he, he, he and, and Haji, right. They're both playing, right. I think Sargent's playing as we speak and, and Haji had a big game this past weekend, but you know, both those guys missed almost all of February. So, you know, you want to maybe not pull them away from their clubs. There's a lot of different moving parts that, you know, I'm pretty sympathetic with, but yeah. So I still thought with a guy like trusty, you know, uh, you know, he's tell me a well. little bit, tell me a little bit about what kind of, I haven't watched him a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, a, what kind of player is he? Yeah, I mean, he's a he's well known in MLS before he made the move uh, up and down in the league. You know, he, he looked good for Philadelphia, and then he fell out of favor in Philadelphia. Traded to Colorado, helped them win the regular season Western Conference title, and then the year last year before he left, he only played the first half of MLS the MLS season. I thought he struggled big time, and then he went to Arsenal. Now there is a common ownership between. Arsenal in Colorado. That's how he got there. Then they loaned him to Birmingham City. And he was, look, Birmingham City is a, is a team that narrowly avoided relegation out of the championship last year. You know, they're a little bit safer this year. He's a part of that. He's been one of their best players of the season. The fans absolutely love him, but they're still, you know, not a very good championship team. But he's a, he's a left-footed center back. So they play uh, a 3-5 back line, you know, uh, you know, five and three in the attack in the back line and, and five defending in the three man center, three center defenders. He's on the left side, you know, cause he's left footed and he's got athleticism, but you know, like I, I just think, you know, with him, it's, it, it's going to, I'm surprised just because I think it's going to be a tough uphill climb for him to make this team. Um, when everyone's kind of healthy, they have to kind of go a ways down because again, even when you look at the players, not on this roster, you still have Chris Richards, and Palmer Brown and, and and Walker Zimmerman plus all the other guys. So we'll see. I think it's um 
but it's up for him to make the most of the opportunity. But yeah, I was kind of surprised to see him more so than a lot of the other guys. And, and, um, I, and Sonora too, a guy, I, I don't necessarily know if he really impressed in, in January camp and he really hasn't nailed down a starting spot in Liga MX with Juarez after he left Argentina. But, um, I guess, uh, you know, there's a little bit of familiarity from January camp, but, you know, I think that you, you know, you have other guys like Tanner Tessman doing at Venezia in Italy that you know, have a, and they're also Olympic eligible that might've made a little bit more sense. At least I was thinking, but you know, I, I thought Sonora's Sonora did well enough in Argentina the last couple of years that maybe they want to give him another look. Yeah. I think Senora was the biggest surprise for me just because at January camp, I didn't think he did all that much to him. Well, yeah, you know, there's, yeah. It, it, and it's not so much like a guy makes a couple of mistakes out there. It's preseason. He hasn't played in a while. You know, mm -hmm. no big deal. And I'm, you got to be forgiving with those. It's it essentially in January, you're watching preseason friendlies. And, and I've seen a bunch of those to know how ugly they can be for even the best of teams. But I think with him, it's, it's a question of athleticism, really. You know, I kind of look at him and I see Jose Francisco Torres back in the day, you know, when he was really good in, you know, Liga MX with Tigres. But, like, you know, it's just a different style where I wonder if, like, the athleticism in the, in the international game is just that much more of a priority because the games are a little bit more raw. You're not with the players as much. The players aren't with each other as much. You know, they can't develop these intricate styles of play it's just it becomes more run and gun and that's where guys like him sometimes just don't necessarily fit in but you were right like uh, i maybe they want to get another look maybe they want to get a second opinion and, and if that's the case fair enough but like it could be in a position where he has to really perform well or else he might be left out of some of these upcoming rosters unless he just absolutely lights it on fire and with juarez now i know he's eligible to play for argentina as well, do you think that had anything to do with the call-in that they're trying to get him cap tied at all? You know, actually, I'm friends with Arch Bell, um, the journalist, and he writes for us at American Soccer now sometimes, and he writes for Concacaf's official website. He actually doesn't even have an Argentina passport, believe it or not. Oh. Even though he was raised there, it was like I just did a piece on Augustine Anello, who was had Argentine parents, and usually, unless you're born and raised there, you don't have one. But no, I mean he's. You know, he's 24 years old. He's he's not with, he, you know, he was not one of the biggest players in the league. I mean, you know, it's a... Argentina's not going for him. Yeah, they're not <laughs> In other words, what you're he, saying. They're not yeah, going okay. for him. I mean, he's... They would have to go really, really, really far down. And, and I, I think he's going to be tough. I think getting him to, on the U.S. team is going to be kind of tough. Unless, like, of course, there's something there I just don't see. But, you know, I'm happy that he got out of the Primera because economically, Argentina is not a place for where you want to be as a player, right? hundred percent inflation, like soccer players are leaving there in droves because their money becomes worthless. So, you know, he would definitely, he would need to get out of Argentina. I know he wanted to come to MLS. There was a couple teams that were interested, didn't really work out, but Hey, you know, he's in Juarez. So he gets to at least live in the United States and just have to commute to play. Okay. So who was the biggest snub who was left out? I guess that most surprised you from the roster. Yeah. I mean, I thought, Chris Richards was going to be called in, but again, it's, I can understand why too. I would have called him in because I think he's a good player, but again, he's like, he plays, he's only played a handful of games over the last six months. I mean, because of the world cup break, his injury, and then just basically just riding the bench at crystal palace. I think with, you know, look, that would be a bigger problem for me. If like this was world cup games, 
But like a game like this, like I don't necessarily think you need to factor in like current playing time that much. I mean, this is El Salvador and Grenada. Maybe you want to take a longer picture for that. You know what I'm saying? It's it's like you want to think of like, well, who's going to be playing in the next over the next couple of years? Not right now. So yeah, I was moderately surprised. You know, obviously Tyler's hurt. You know, I didn't really, I didn't really until the lead up of the roster. I didn't realize that. But you know, you don't want to push somebody of that caliber for these kind of games. But yeah, I would say Richards was probably the the most surprising guy left off the team, particularly because like a guy like Serginio Dest is also not playing at all either. But, you know, I thought, you know, Richards is a guy, maybe it would have been good for him to bring him in. But again, he also has to put himself in a better position though, too. I, I, I don't necessarily think that that's a bad mindset either. Yeah, let's talk about the center backs a little bit more because I think that was my biggest snub or surprise of someone who was left off, Cameron Carter-Vickers. Uh, yeah, I don't know a guy that started is. a yeah. World Cup game, you know, mm-hmm. seemed to play really well and doesn't even crack, you know, the top four. You got Tim Ream, Mark McKenzie, Miles Robinson, Austin Trussell, who you mentioned. What, what, do you know anything about Cameron Carter-Vickers and why he, what kept him off the uh, roster? I mean, look, I, I don't, I think outside of, Tim Ream, no one's played more over, since August, you know, in the entire American player pool. I don't know if he's if he's nursing an injury, you know. I mean, oh, he scored over the weekend in, in the Scottish Cup semis. I saw that. Yeah, but Hudson was very vague. He said there were some injuries there, and we had to disc. And he said several, and and so, you know, he, there wasn't. They don't necessarily put out an injury list there too because. A, a guy might play for his club at 75%, but he might not want to travel across the ocean and play in these games at 75%, especially with a guy like Vickers. I'm just speculating here, but a guy like Vickers, when you already know what he can do, and then you want to then say, okay, we know what he can do, rest up, and we'll look at Miles Robinson because he's been injured for a long time. And, you know, he had a big role with the team for such a long period of time. Um, it's fair enough to to try to give another look to him because he, I thought he played well for Atlanta over the weekend. So, uh, you know, again, um, you don't need to have your A-plus lineup for these games. You can afford to, to leave if there's a question marks or questionable things or close calls. I mean, why risk it? So, you know, I, I don't have, none of us have completely a list of all the information. We had a 40-minute media conference with, with Anthony Hudson, and oh, by the way, if you want to talk about another snub, I was kind of thinking Kevin Paredes would have made it. Yeah, um, he's been for, doing well for, for Wolfsburg. Personally, if it was up to me and, and releases were mandatory, I, I would say I, I'm a big proponent of letting guys finish the U20 cycle and play in the U20 World Cup. I, I think that that's just a good experience to play outside of Concacaf in these tournament settings. You know, it's still young youth players, but. The intensity is great. You're playing, a, you know, a world global competition. I would like to see as many age eligible players play in that as possible. I think it helps. Um, you know, Ricardo Pepe's eligible for it. I think that that's kind of a lost cause. But you know, look, if Paredes is going to play with the U20 team, that's not no loss. But I asked Hudson about it with the media event, and he, you know, and he didn't really say it was a U20 call. He just said he's right there on the edge of this team. So, but he says like maybe he sees him as a role this summer. So, you know, I was kind of surprised by that too because look, there's a good chance Wolfsburg's not going to release him for the U20 World Cup. If that's the case, then you know maybe you give him a look with the full national team. But 
yeah, I thought there might have been a spot for him here, but you know, he also was signal signal signaling that he almost saw him as a fullback role, which I haven't really seen him really do that much uh, of the fullback position since he was with um, DC United. So I, I like him better as a winger anyway. So I, again, you know, there's uh, th- that one in hindsight surprises me, but. I, I hope he's if he's with the U20s, I think it might just be a blessing in disguise for him um, to get a chance with that team. So let's move to striker now. Uh, there only two have been called in, Ricardo Pepe and Daryl DK. So no Josh Sargent, Hajurai, Jordan Pifak. What were your thoughts on striker? Were you do you think Anthony Hudson called in the right strikers? Absolutely. Um Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, I, I think um I'm a big fan of um Daryl DK, I think you got it. He needs a look when he's healthy, and he's doing really well. I think he's a kind of a, t- a guy that is tough to defend because you don't have many guys like him. Like he's so unique that, like, I don't know how defend you know defenders when they have to go against him. He's he's not like what they're used to going against, and he's scoring a lot. He's always like when he was with Orlando, like. He was such a big asset to Orlando. Like he carried him into the playoffs. They were so good with him. He gets to Barnsley on loan. They were near the relegation zone. Then they stopped losing, and they were they were just went on this unbelievable winning tear because of him. And he took Barnsley, a team that has no business in the playoff, getting into the playoffs of the championship. He took them into the pl- into the playoffs. No, they've since been relegated after he left. And now he's doing the same thing with West Brom again. Like again, mid table. Now they're creeping up towards the playoffs really fast. A guy like that, when you if you can catch him when he's playing well, and now that he's healthy, I really like him. And Pepe too is another guy that you know a it could be an, a, a guy you see for the Olympic team. B he's doing what I like about him now is that he's scoring for a team where he only gets one or two chances a game because Grunning they're 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 terrible. Bottom like, of the table, yeah, yeah, they're, they're probably going to get relegated. <laughs> And, like, it's one thing when you score and your team is much better than everybody else. You get a lot of chances. You miss one, no big deal. You're going to get one two minutes later. Like, it's not like that. Like, he's he's been a very good player on a, on a, on a bad team, and that's not a bad thing for your development. Now, like, you know, Haji, I know he had a huge game last weekend, but he's coming off of missing over two months in Turkey, and then they weren't even training for a long stretch because of that earthquake. And... You know, you don't want to I, – I think it's kind of okay to leave him out. He's not going anywhere. Josh Sargent, too, they, they're, they're well aware of him. Like, he's not going anywhere. You know, he missed some time. I know he's playing today, but he also missed like a month or three or three weeks with injuries. Why push it with those guys when you have two guys that you haven't seen a lot of? They're playing well, and, like, it's good to kind of use this opportunity to see what you have and see how they fit in with the team now. Again, I preface that by I kind of re- contradicting myself, saying, "What are you going to learn from these two games?" Because the opponents are are not very good. But it's also about things about getting them integrated with the group and seeing how they combine with other people too. And you know, Daryl DK scores a goal against Grenada. Yeah, of course, take it with a grain of salt. But you know, I think it's it's a good sign for both of these players that that they're on the right path. So I, I, I enthusiastically endorse Pepe and uh, DK on this team. I think that that was a very smart choice or two very smart choices. Yeah. And, and since, you know, only one MLS player made the roster and you mentioned how they're splitting the roster for the, you know, the upcoming camps this summer, 
that's maybe why a Brandon Vasquez or somebody like yeah, that he was. He, 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 someone asked him about him, Brandon Vasquez, at the press conference, and, and Hudson says he really likes him. So, I mean, look, I think that's going to be really exciting to watch Brandon Vasquez go against Mexico in, in April. To me, that's actually been one of the cooler stories from that game. Uh, I know Brandon's come up empty in the first three games, but I mean, he's still been very dangerous. Cincinnati it still looks good. That's it. they have a good front three. He's certainly one that you definitely want to consider. Hey, look, more numbers the better. Um, but in terms of you know choosing only from the abroad based guys, yeah, like DK. If you're going to leave off the the other you know, Haji and Josh, like Daryl and Ricardo, are two guys I think really could fit in nicely there. And and I think you know Ricardo's a guy that you're going to see at Paris at the Olympics next year. Looking at the roster that was named and, and played at the 2022 World Cup, and I'm not going to include the MLS players here, but just the European-based players, there were four of them that did not get called in for this roster. And we, we've talked about most of them, you know, Josh Sargent, Haji Wright, maybe because they're coming back from injuries, uh, they didn't get called in. Tyler Adams, obviously. Uh, it was just kind of announced today that he picked up, uh, I think it was a hamstring injury. And then we already talked about Cameron Carter Vickers. Those were the four. So with Tyler Adams not coming in, uh, who do you see taking his role in the starting lineup? Uh, yeah, I think it's a good question. Um, I think Cardozo probably makes the most sense. I'm not sure he's, you know, I still think he's has some work to do, you know, in his development. I think he's, a uh, Another guy I think could benefit with the Olympics more than going into the full team. And I'm a big fan of Olympic soccer. I grew up when it was like a really important springboard into the full national team. I mean, I remember when Landon Donovan and John O'Brien used that right before the 2022, 2002 World Cup. And, and, and all those guys in 08 used it for 2010. But for these games here, I mean, you don't really need a defensive midfielder. So I think – but I think – um you know, you can kind of use a double pivot and, you know, one guy shifts back. When one guy moves forward, the other one guy comes back. I think uh, you could – I think you'll probably see them use Johnny there. I, I don't think Sonora, if he shows well in these games as a defensive midfielder, that could be um, something that you, you might be learning the wrong lessons from because um, I think as soon as the competition goes up a little bit, that's going to be a really tough ask. But – We'll see. You know, I think he's. I think it will still revert in the end of the day after these games and after April to Kellen Acosta as the backup. But you know, though, the, I think Johnny will have the opportunity in these games probably more than anybody else. And you can always then um, you know shift back and let Weston play there too without much of a problem. So there's several players that got called in and uh, only have maybe either they have no caps at all, or maybe they only have a few caps so far. Uh, one of those you, we already talked about Austin trustee, two other ones I wanted to talk about Brian Reynolds right back with two caps. Who's, who's been called in and then Taylor Booth uh, who has zero caps. What can you tell me about Brian Reynolds and, and Taylor Booth, what kind of players they are uh, maybe for people who haven't had a chance to watch them very often. Yeah, I mean, I think Brian Brian Reynolds is really on the on a good place right now. I'm doing actually a, a piece on him right now. Um, I, I interviewed him at length today, and um, I even spoke to Anthony Hudson about him at the media call. He's getting to that point when, like, 
you know, we're young players every now and then. Like when you watch a young player, he could have a great game, and then the next game's poor. The game after that's average, and then then you kind of don't know what you're going to expect. And I think the next step of maturation is when you get to a guy who, you know, puts in a regularly good performance. You know, sometimes he's sometimes he's very good, but he's always good. You know, and like he's getting there now. Like, but compared with what I saw with him last year with Kortrick on loan. You know, now at Westerlo, he is very – he's like one of the players that other teams gear in towards stop. As he, Even though he's coming out of the right back spot, you know, he gets forward. He gets dangerous. He's a night – you know, and he gets back and defends well. You know, he, he's checking a lot of boxes right now in that league, and I think he's one where he's putting himself in a really good position. I don't think he's going to return to Roma. There's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, they could be in trouble with the fair play thing, and they have to sell a bunch of players. Plus, there's a tax issues if you bring Nani who's back. That complicated matter. So, I think he's going to be in a position where he could be in a big five league within Europe next year. Maybe spend one more year on loan. I know he's at a big five year league on loan now, but I think he he's closer than he realizes. He he's getting a lot of interest. His metrics are all very good. I think. As a right back, he could be – he's a guy I rate highly. Uh, Taylor's definitely – you know, this is his first season as a f- real true first-team player. You know, he came out of Salt, Real Salt Lakes Academy, joined Byron's Academy, you know, kind of hit the dead end that you hit at a club like that. He did one loan briefly for a relegated team in the Austrian Bundesliga, went back to Bayern. But he's doing well in the Eredivisie. It can be a flattering league in the attack for forwards. But he's, uh, you know, he's showing a lot of good qualities there for a um, team that's slightly above mid-table. You know, come to think of it, uh, Georgi Mihailovic not being called in kind of surprises me now that I get to the Eredivisie. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, with, um, with Taylor, he's, um, you know, he's fitting in well at Utrecht. He's one of their better players in the midfield. Um, he kind of shifts around the midfield. He can play either side. Very good crosser. And if you're going to have a guy like DK in the box, that's a good thing. It gives them some, you know, they, they could definitely use guys who can cross the ball better. So it's going to be a question now, like, he'll handle these games just fine. The question then comes into the when the late, when, when they get higher level of competition, you know, how well is he playing on both sides of the ball and, you know, physically and everything like that too. So um, definitely, you know, worth taking a look at. Uh, again, also with you know, Reynolds, I think will be a starter on the Olympic team, and, and I kind of think um, Booth is is, is 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 a guy that is probably ready for the Olympics first, and then use. And if, he, if those guys do well at the Olympics, then it's a makes for a very quick transition into the first team. That's typically how Olympic soccer goes. It's you've seen it with Stuart Holden and Maurice Adu, and a lot of really big big American players, particularly in the in the 2000s, early 2000s, mid 2000s, that they use that tournament. I think you'll start seeing the same with this team too, where like you see guys with moderate U.S. national team roles using that Olympic thing as a as like a catapult into the first team, and that that's really what that's there for. So Booth is a guy who, who I think could fit that mold, and, and same thing with Reynolds. Well, thank you, Brian, for sharing all this information uh, with us. Before I let you go, is there anything else about the roster? Uh, that you think is important for folks to know? No, I mean, I think it's going to be fun. I, you know, I just think it's, 
you know, unfortunately, it's a little bit of reality check with what happens in, in these games. It's just as much what happens off field as with on field, you know, in terms of what you get out of the significance with these things and how guys are getting along and, and everything. And, um, yeah, looking forward to that. The D20 roster will be out soon. Uh, some really big prospects on that. And between that and, you know, the U20s and the, and the, and the Gold Cup and Nations League and, 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 this, and the friendly with Mexico, it's, it's all multifaceted in terms of how, the, how they start to put this team back together starting into this next cycle. So looking forward to it. And for people who want to learn more about you or follow some of your work, where should they go? Uh, I think going on Twitter is always a good place. And then from there, I'll direct you to usually American Soccer Now or Soccer America where most of my print stuff happens. And, um, you know, and then tune in every Tuesday morning um, on Sirius XM. Uh, I break down everything that happened over the weekend and on Monday. And what is that Twitter handle? Uh, at Brian Sharetta, my name, B-R-I-A-N-S-C-I-A-R-E-T-T-A, one word. That's my Twitter handle. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. And thank you to everyone for listening to this episode of Here and Abroad. I'm Frank Garza, and I'll be back soon with a new episode.